G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The Story I've always been quite an optimistic, capable person and uh, so without really understanding spinal cord injuries and the extent of what that means, I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to pull through this and I'll be able to you know, walk out of here in, in a couple of weeks' time or whatever. It was, I guess, um, coming to terms with the reality of how serious this was. It took a while and it still is taking a while for that to really play out. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with Steve and Anita King, who were two weeks into a family holiday in Queensland when Steve had a tragic rock climbing accident. Last time, they shared the events of that fateful day, the 2nd of April 2018, and what led to Steve slipping and falling about eight metres. They also shared how Anita managed to call triple zero to get help while holding a bandage onto Steve's injured head. Now, we'll hear what happened next on that day as they continue their chat with Eric Scatterbone. From the call that I made until they arrived, it was 36 minutes. So that was 36 minutes of, you know, squatting down next to Steve and holding bandages on his head to stop the bleeding. So then, obviously, the the paramedics took over and did an amazing job. The emergency service is wonderful, so uh, thanks to all them. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was probably about an hour and a half to two-hour process of then them obviously uh, looking after my pain uh, and then slowly but surely trying to stretch me out of this position because originally they were going to try and um, chopper lift me out, like send a, a stretcher down by the chopper, but then they couldn't because the trees were in the way and all that sort of stuff. So the team of them had to then literally carry me out hand over hand, you know, oh, um, wow. a bit of a, a process of a chain, um, yeah, getting me up out of this location down to the road onto the ambulance, and then, yeah, into the chopper that was waiting for me there. So. And they're obvious head and neck and back injuries, so nothing could be done quickly to, yeah. you know, minimise any injury that had happened. Right. How far were you from the road? Oh, look, probably, I don't know, 100 metres maybe from the road up the hill a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but as, as Anita said, nothing could happen quickly. They had yeah. to secure everything, put the neck brace on, make sure they were, yeah, slowly but surely moving me and, so I'm uh, dozing in a night of consciousness through all this. I don't really remember much of it, to be honest. You were pretty drugged up at the time, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of pain. And so, yeah, they looked after me around that. And um, while I was doing that, I guess Anita Anita was with the kids. and Yeah, so once the emergency services arrived, the paramedics stayed with Steve and we actually had someone else walk the children and I back down to the road into our car so they could just stop and have a drink and have a bit of downtime. So then there was that hour and a half where I had no idea what was happening with Steve. Wow. I had the kids there and they were under control and looked after them, but I had no idea what was happening with my husband who, you know, was up in that, on the site still. I had one liaison who could talk to me about what was happening and what their plan was, but I just had to sit and wait mm. and see what they could do. What was the next part of the story then? Yeah, so basically, so uh, airflown to the Royal Brisbane Hospital. Um, then I go into a whole set of scans and tests and trying to work out what's going on with me. And and it's later revealed that I had about eight different vertebrae broken in my back. So 
so mm. impact fractures from the fall. Um, three major ones, so C6, which is up in the neck, I guess, C6 uh, mm-hmm. was a, a major fracture. T8, which is halfway down your back, was broken severely. Um, and L1, which was the, the one that caused the most damage, which is in the lower back, it actually had burst under the impact. Oh, and wow. one of the fragments, yeah, had pressed onto the spinal cord. And that had then, um, it hadn't cut the cord, which was a real blessing as well. It had just pressed on it, it seems, or made a tiny little nick on it. But that had caused my paralysis from waist down. So if it had cut that cord, that would have been permanent paralysis. Yeah, that, that's correct. There's two different types, I guess. They call it a, a complete injury, which is where the cord is cut, and an incomplete injury when, when we're talking spinal cord injury. Mm-hmm. And that's where the cord is just uh, damaged or pressed on or interrupted in a way. And so my injury was an incomplete injury. And the way you describe it, I guess, the further up your, your back, up your neck, that the cord is damaged, often that means that the, the ability to move from that point down is affected. Mm. And so, yeah, for it to be lower down in my back was, again, a bit of a blessing because, mm. you know, my, my top half function is, is still quite capable. My, my bottom half was obviously quite severely affected. Mm. So now, what was your state of mind at this point? Did you think, okay, I'm injured, but a week or two, I'll be fine? Yeah, um, I've always been quite an optimistic, capable person. And uh, so without really understanding spinal cord injuries and the extent of what that means, I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to pull through this and I'll be able to you know, walk out of here in, in a couple of weeks' time or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was, I guess, um, coming to terms with the reality of how serious this was took a while and it still is taking a while for that to really play out Mm -hmm. um, as I see further improvements uh, as life goes on. I think we started out in denial because the nurses and the hospital staff would come and with paperwork for disability support services and things and say we need to get this ball rolling and we would say oh no we don't need that we'll be okay he's going to be okay. Oh so you didn't even think that was a possibility? Right from the start I had people you know uh, praying as we said and People sharing with me visions that they were seeing of me walking again in the future. So mm-hmm. um, we're hanging on to that. And then I guess in hospital was probably the lowest time that I had in the first few nights in the Brisbane hospital. And it was during one of those nights in particular, I remember a really vivid dream. And in that dream, it was basically Jesus was, was there um, talking to me and he said, Steve, it's up to you, mate. You can you can give up now and, you know, that's it. Or you can hang on to me. You can trust me and hold my hand and I'll show you the way through this. Hmm. And I guess it was at that point that I made that decision with Jesus that I was going to do it with him. And from there, he was able to, I guess, yeah, give me further visions of prophetic visions, if you like, of me walking again. Hmm. And so I had that confidence, if you like, right from the start that... Hmm that this was going to be okay, that we were going to get through this, I was going to see some recovery, but it was a journey I was going to go on with Jesus mm-hmm. through this, and I had to lean into him and, and do it God's way, do it Jesus' way, because funnily enough, he knows the best way to go about things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so for me and my personality, if, if he had to just click his fingers and given me that instant recovery and I did walk out of there, I know I would have just got back on with life and mm-hmm. it wouldn't have... He wouldn't have been able to talk to me and meet with me and impact my life 
as much as he was able to do through going through a process of recovery with him. Hmm. So this was all part of the journey you think God wanted to have you be on? Absolutely. There's times in um, your life that things happen, and I'll say this for everyone, you know, everyone has got stuff going on in their life, mm-hmm. and yep. the the path that you may have mapped out for yourself may not eventuate, and the way we've decided to look at it now is that maybe this is actually God's plan and purpose and path for us all along. We just didn't realize. And so, you know, when people were asking me, when are you going to walk again? When is things going to get back to normal? Well, we now say that this is our normal. This is our mm. new normal. This is what God actually has in place for our lives. And, you know, he definitely still has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And it just looks different to what we first thought. Yeah. And that's actually what God probably intended in the first place, because God knows everything better than we know. So going with that, not fighting that, I think Mm. is really important, and allowing God to continue to use you in the midst of what is going on, I think would be my encouragement to your listeners. Yeah, I think uh, when something happens that disrupts normal, the natural reaction is to want to get back to normal, you know, get back to walking in your case. That's right. So I think we, it was a real mindset change to, to switch from, as you said, getting back to normal to this is our new normal. And that was a process for us to deal with um, with God in prayer and through each other. And a lot of tears were shared through that mm. to say that, okay, this is now where life is heading for us and how can we make the most of this and what does God want for us on this new journey that we find ourselves in that we didn't plan for. Mm. So what was the new normal like as opposed to what was normal before that? I mean, before you were walking around rock climbing and doing all that, what was the new normal? Again, it comes back to, um, as I said earlier, the, the things that, that are real in life, it puts perspective on things. So, for instance, one of the things that we've learned so much through this, Eric, is that relationships are so important. Mm. You know, yep. first and foremost, our relationship with God mm-hmm. and then with the people around us, so our friends, our family, and the like. There is no difference to that in the new norm. That continues, mm-hmm. and that would be my encouragement to everyone as well. Regardless of what your physical circumstance might be or whatever the circumstances around you are, the reality of relationships remains. And so to continue to press into God, as we've always done, continues. That doesn't change. Our relationships mm-hmm. with family yeah. and friends, that's such a priority and an important thing for us, always has been, always will be. The difference, I guess, for us is just the physical side of things now. I'm in a wheelchair most of the time still. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, family holidays are looking different now. Probably not going to be rock climbing anytime soon. And so it's just those, those simple day-to-day tasks that maybe I could do before that I can't do now, like going to collect the firewood or even it used to be not even being able to get the, the glass out of the, the overhead cupboard because I couldn't stand up to get that. So mm. relying, I guess, on the people around me to help me mm-hmm. was a big learning curve for me as well. Very humbling, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Humility was was one of the biggest lessons learned as well, you know, right from losing all your, your pride and dignity in the in the surgery, in the hospital, because people are, are feeding you, caring for you in all sorts of different ways. Absolutely humbling event that occurred. And so 
yeah, just one other aspect of that is just then having to ask people for help. Mm, as as yeah. I said before, as, a, as an active, you know, capable person, um, normally I'm the one that had been, or we've been the one that have been helping people around us. And now, yeah, having to, to lean on others, which is not a bad thing. It was a good lesson to learn, I think. You're listening to The Story. Today, Steve and Anita King are once again sharing about Steve's tragic rock climbing accident and how it has impacted their lives. We'll hear more of their story, including what the future holds for them, when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scatterbo chatting with Steve and Anita King, who were two weeks into a family holiday in Queensland when Steve had a tragic rock climbing accident on the 2nd of April 2018. Steve and Anita have been sharing about their lives and their new normal since the accident. Next, they'll continue to reflect on all the changes that have had to come about and they'll share what God has been teaching them through it all. So, as you mentioned, most of the time you're in a wheelchair. Do you think that's the way it's going to be for the rest of your life or do you think you will one day be able to walk? Yeah, look, I, I already can through continual rehab and recovery. I have a, a routine each week of, you know, physio and, and gym sessions and swimming sessions and remedial massage and all that sort of stuff. And already I can walk with arm crutches, short mm-hmm. distances, which, praise God, is, a, is an incredible miracle. And I guess it's a, the further recovery to come, I, I believe, truly believe. I've always said along this journey that, God will continue to do his bit in mm-hmm. terms of turning on the muscles. I That's out of my control. I still can't make my muscles activate. I still struggle to, to wiggle my toes on my left foot and lift my foot up on my left foot. So, yeah, God will do his bit and I will do my bit in terms of, you know, hard rehab, physical rehab, all that sort of stuff. And we'll just see where we end up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a... Uh, a bump in the road, if you like, mm-hmm. but as I said before, it doesn't mean that God can't use me, mm-hmm. and I, I truly believe He is um, in many different ways. And yeah, it's just the physical side of things has changed a bit for us. And on a practical matter, you were able to continue working? Yeah, fortunately, uh, I'm a financial advisor, I have my own business, and I was able to get back to work after about six months. I had three months in total in hospital, I had two weeks in the Royal Brisbane Hospital, then the doctor said I could be air flown back to Melbourne, which is mm-hmm. where we're obviously from, and I spent three more weeks in the Austin Hospital out in Heidelberg. And then I had another seven weeks in the, the Royal Talbot Rehab Centre, just off the freeway. And so, yeah, three months in total, roughly being separated from my family um, was hard. And then, yeah, three months I had at home, recovering further until I was in a position where I thought I could go back to work. And, yeah, I guess fortunately my my job isn't very much a, a manual job, mm-hmm. and so I can now, yeah, talk with clients and, and sit at my desk and do a whole lot of computer stuff. So that's been a blessing too, yeah. 
And Anita, you know, a lot of times the focus is on the person who's injured, obviously, because they're going through so much trauma, but you had trauma of your own. Can you share with us about that? Yeah. So having your husband, you know, fall off the cliff in front of you and to experience such a severe head trauma that he did and obviously the physical injury to his back is not something that I saw coming or would ever wish upon anyone. And it had quite an impact on me to see someone that close that I cared about so much go through something that big. And I know that it was months after the accident that I would have flashbacks. Particularly at night, I didn't enjoy going to sleep at night. One, because my husband wasn't at home with me, but also because I knew that these dreams were going to come. And there was a point a few nights after the accident that I rang a really good friend of ours who had been through a not too dissimilar situation to us. And I was just in tears on the phone to him saying, what What do I do to make these images stop? Hmm. How do I move past this? I know you've been through this. How can you help me? And he was great. And he just said to me that it is hard and it will take a lot of time. And it's just that continued prayer and giving it to God to work through that and to deal through that sort of trauma that you've been through. That will stay with me for the rest of my life, I'm sure, and Mm. different triggers remind me of the event. It is that ongoing process of giving it to God and allowing Him to heal my Mm. mental state, I suppose, if you like. Mm. Yeah, so you had to go through a healing as well. Yes, so really grateful for people that were around us and a support network, and I think that helped a lot having people that I could talk to, just lay it all out there and have them pray for me and work through that with me. Mm-hmm. Definitely needed that around me in the time. Now, another thing is you are a close couple. You do a lot of things together. And suddenly, because Steve was in the hospital, you were separated. How did that go? I mean, that's just another challenge on top of all of this. It was, yes. We've always said we're an in each other's pockets kind of a couple. We you mm. know, have worked together school together, most of our life, the things that we do, we do together. So to have three months apart was really, really tough. Having said that, though, it's actually brought us in our marriage closer than we have ever been before. Mm. To go through something that traumatic together and relying on God, because you can't do any of it yourself, you just have to put it all out there. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we would be closer than we have ever been through all of this. So sort of interesting to say that, yeah, we were separated for three months and that was really very hard to be you know, on my own and dealing with children and family and keeping everyone in the outside world updated with what was going on, but having to do it all not next to my husband. And so you're on this journey with him together. Absolutely, yeah. And that's um, been an absolute encouragement to me through all this to have Anita right there with me in this as absolute support. Um, There's been moments, as I'm sure you can imagine and your listeners can imagine, where it's been tough. You know, I Mm, I haven't wanted to keep going with this or, you know, all of a sudden reality might set in that, hey, I'm going to be in a wheelchair for a long time here or whatever that might be. I can't be bothered going to the rehab today or this is all just too much or too hard. And then Anita will just be that encouraging, kind voice that says, no, come on. You've got this, Steve. You can do mm. this. You know, with God's help, we're going to get through this. Um, and to have someone to just, you know, be praying with through all this and just, yeah, leaning on each other, I think it's been just a really valuable thing for us, which, as Anita said, has really just brought us even closer than we, we ever have been, mm-hmm. which has been incredible. Yeah. Now, if we go all the way back to the day before the accident, you wrote that kind of uh, devotional, God's Got My Back. Uh, was that prophetic at that time? Yeah. Look, I believe it was. I didn't know, obviously, at the time that it was going to be. But, yeah, 
as the event turned out, as I shared, um, my back was severely damaged. But through it all, even in the way that I fell, um, if I'd fallen on a different angle, chances are the bones would have been impacted differently, which would have probably cut my spinal cord completely. Mm, yeah. And so even to that literal effect, God did have my back and still continues to have my back to this day, I believe, you know, through the recovery, mm. through the healing process. He's got my back. And, you know, I'd say the same for everyone out there. God's got your back. Maybe not literally mm. in terms of what I've experienced, but whatever you're going through, he does have you in the palm of his hand. He's got, he wants to support you, care for you, come alongside you. He knows exactly what you're going through. So, yeah, totally encourage you all to, to press in to him Amen. and, and uh, reach out to him. And he'll be right there. He'll carry you through whatever you're going through. Amen. And I believe there was a nurse who was a Christian or different people were Christians that God put in your path through this all? Yeah, and again, that was just, that was just that experience of, of knowing that God was right there with us and me through the whole experience. So, yeah, just different people popping up along the way that would, you know, they would just indicate that, hey, they were a Christian and I'm praying for you or would you like me to pray for you right now? Or, yes, there was a nurse in the hospital. There was the paramedic, you know, on the flight back to Melbourne just different people that, that God would just place there right when you needed a little bit of an encouragement mm. or just to, to remind you that, hey, I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. And it was just, that was just the, the reality of God through all of this was just so powerful, mm. so tangible. And I think especially because we weren't in our hometown, we were, you know, we're from Melbourne, we were up just out of Brisbane. We didn't have our family and friends. They couldn't suddenly swamp to surround us. So God was saying, it's okay, here's some people right yeah. here with you. Mm-hmm. You can't have the ones you know, but here's some more of your, you know, the wider church family as a whole, just popping up to say hello, to pray with you and to let you know that you're not alone. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're kind of running out of time here, but Anita, do you want to kind of wrap up some of the things that you've learned through all this? Yeah, so definitely I think the biggest thing for us as we talk about growth in our faith is that in our life, you will have hard times, mm-hmm. and hopefully yep. people don't go through things as traumatic as we have, but things happen in everybody's life. No one's yep. immune. Yep. You know, the rain falls evenly on everybody. And I think the key for us before this experience was putting down those deep roots, putting the deep roots into God's Word and the relationship with Him so that when these hard times come, we have those things to draw on, the verses that come to mind, the songs that play in the car that can impact you. All of that coming up and the lead up in our life to this event really came to fruition then. That is that training, if you like, of putting these things in your mind so that you can fall back on them in your darkest days. Mm-hmm. And some of the verses that helped you through this all? Yeah, look, for me, my favorite verse has always been Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, which is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. And... For me, through this, that has been absolutely the reality. We've had to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Mm. And, and not knowing what was going on, we've had to lean on His, his understanding, not our own. And then, yeah, allowing Him to, to guide our paths, as we said before, and make them straight. And they look different now, but mm-hmm. that's okay. He's making our paths for us which is the most important thing that we're, we're living in, in accordance with His will and purpose for our lives moving forward. 
Yeah, I think that was the very first night of C's accident when he'd gone into surgery. So I had to go back to a hotel room and I just had time to pray and to read. Mm -hmm. And I just turned to the Psalms. And Psalm 37 in verse 23, it says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And ironic because Steve fell. But I just held on to that promise that the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And we had to make that conscious decision to delight in him through the whole Mm. experience. Well, I think that's a perfect place to end, knowing that God is with us through it all. We can rely on him through everything that we go through. And thank you so much for sharing your journey together, the journey that's continuing. Thank you so much, Steve and Anita King. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. And we, look, we just pray that, yeah, this can encourage many people mm-hmm. and uh, inspire them to, yeah, press into the Lord and, and know that he's right there with them through all circumstances in life. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much for allowing us to share. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Steve and Anita King, who joined us via the telephone from their home just to the east of Melbourne. And there's so much more that we can learn from what they've gone through after Steve's tragic rock climbing accident. But I just want to zero in on one important point that Anita made. She emphasised that Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble and... The rain falls on the just and the unjust. So we should not be surprised when challenges come our way because this is the way life is and nobody is immune from problems. However, Jesus also went on to say, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Yep, we're going to have problems. Some major like Steve and Anita experienced or some minor, but either way, We're not alone, and God will always be there for us through it all and will help us to overcome. The point is, no matter what, we just keep on pressing into him, and he will see us through. Well, thanks for joining us for part two of Steve and Anita King sharing their story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I can generally say, okay, yeah, my mate Andrew Chan's a convicted drug smuggler. But to me, that's not who he is, you know what I mean? Like, I, I even took my daughter, um, we went and visited him in prison, and my wife and my family, like, you know, so for me, he was my family. Uh, he did that, but that wasn't how I saw him, if you know what I mean. In April of 2005, youth pastor Mark Soper was sitting in his car when he heard the news that nine Australians had been arrested in Bali for attempting to smuggle heroin out of Indonesia. His heart sank when he heard that one of the Bali Nine was his childhood friend, Andrew Chan. Mark will share how Andrew's faith grew while in prison next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.